Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Living With Power Hope podcast. I am Lena Abijamra, and I'm your host. So good to have you back. We are in a series called Dear Lena, and in it, you ask me questions about life and faith and everything in between. The goal is to give you biblical truth for everyday life. This is meant to encourage the Christian living in a post-Christian world. Uh, you know what we mean by post-Christian at this point. We mean... Uh, a world where people assume there is no such thing as truth. You can have your truth, I can have mine, and as long as you agree with me, everything is fine, right? <laughs> Maybe not quite that, but we are living in a world where people no longer live under Judeo-Christian premises or biblical beliefs at all. And so it can become uh, quite hard to believe what the Bible teaches and uh, gel with the culture. In fact, I would say it's impossible. So in this series, we're going to look at different cultural questions that come up and questions about life and faith and everything in between and try to give you a biblical perspective on how to think through them. And so all you need to do is subscribe to the, to the podcast. And every time we drop a new episode, you're going to get informed. And uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and click the like button and share it with your friends. And uh, if you have a question for me, as usual, you can send it to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. All right. Having said that, let's move into this week's question. And uh, we're going to be doing a couple of questions that are uh, the next couple of weeks that are maybe a little bit of the sensitive nature. And I'm sure we'll be hitting more sensitive questions in a week to come. Sensitive because they're topics that are at odds with the culture. And so it's impossible to present a biblical worldview without, again, some friction with the culture. And so someone wrote me this question. Dear Lena, is God anti-gay? Now, before um, people start huffing and puffing and, and threatening and, and, and getting upset. Um, uh, the easy road is to just answer one, you know, yes, no question and move on. But that's not what we're doing here. Our goal is not to give glib answers, but to think biblically through, uh, what this question is saying and how to approach it. And so, uh, let me start by saying that if you are listening and you identify as LGBTQ, I want to welcome you, uh, to this podcast. You are welcome here. And, uh, I'm glad you found us, and I am going to try to be as sensitive as I can with the way that I handle this question. And so um, know that much prayer has been taken into this, but still, I'm human, and I am an ER doctor, so generally, even when we want to say things in a civil fashion, it can come out as direct and um, uh, sometimes a little harsh. So I'm going to try to avoid that approach and really think like a family doctor. And if you are a Christian and same-sex attracted, then uh, you might have a lot vested in this question. So know that I understand that and I want to take some great sensitivity in uh, uh, trying to be an instrument that God can use to minister to you. Having said that, here, here's how I think about this question. Is God anti-gay? First of all, uh, what I'm going to do is share three points as I do every week. And I'm going to start with this big concept and I'm going to give you three things that I know for sure. And so number one, what I know for sure is that God is never anti-people. That is a fact. God is not anti-people, which means God is not anti-gay because God is never anti-people. God loves you wherever you come from, whatever baggage you have, whatever class of people you identify with, whatever your ethnicity. I mean, look, I'm a Arab from the Middle East. Uh, and I, uh, and I, and I can be confident that God loves me. And so God is love. We've talked about that here on this podcast in first John four, we're told that that is the definition of love. It is God. My favorite Bible verse of all times, actually the most famous Bible verse of all times is John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You might be familiar with that verse. It goes on to say, because he loved his for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's heart is for people. Now, 
that is because of his character, his attribute of love. He loves unconditionally. But there is a unique relationship of love between God and those who would receive him as Lord of their life. Um, that is uh, found uh, and, and supported as an example in John chapter 1, verse uh, 11 and 12, where we're told that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And uh, Galatians talks about how if you believe in Christ, you're adopted into God's family. In 1 John chapter 3, we're told, Behold, what manner of love the Father has uh, bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So besides the fact that God is love, God loves people, God loves you so much, he wants you to be part of his family. And so there is a unique love relationship between God and his people, but even outside of that, God loves people. That is what draws us to him. And so if you're gay, straight, trans, whatever you, you know, whatever you identify as, God loves you. And I think that we all come to God. In fact, Romans 5 verse 8 says, uh, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he, he understood who we were even before we came to him. So we don't come to God uh, because we're good or because we figured it out. On the contrary, we are come to him because of his deep love for us that draws us to himself. And uh, it, that love is hard to resist. So often the church has not reflected that love well with uh, the LGBTQ community. I think that's been a criticism for some time. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But anyway, we're not here to explain those reasons. But I think to start by saying God loves you no matter what you identify as. God is not anti-gay because God is not never anti-people. Um, so it, furthermore, by the way, one last thought on this before we move to the next big idea. Um, I believe God had a particular uh, draw, uh, connection, attraction, uh, draw to the sexually broken. And before, you know, again, before you jump to conclusions, again, I think um, because you're saying, well, if I'm gay, that doesn't mean I'm sexually broken. We're going to get to what the Bible says about, about different things in a minute. But, but in general, uh, God is attracted to people who don't have it figured out. In fact, he says in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, that those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. Mark 2.17 says the same thing. And so there is a sense where if you don't have it all together, um, you're in a kind of a unique place for God to, to want to be with you. Jesus, Jesus constantly was... Uh, surrounding him, you know, was always the sort of, he hung out, not with the religious leaders and with the Pharisees and with the Sadducees, but on the contrary, with those who are, who are broken in any, in a number of ways. And I, I find that really encouraging, uh, regardless, again, of where you come from. I think, I think uh, there's such confidence in knowing that Jesus is that kind of savior. So number one, what I know for sure is that God is never anti-people, therefore he is not anti-gay. Number two, here's the second thing I know for sure. What I know for sure is that God is always anti-sin. God is holy. That is his, his, he, he, that is his thing. The Ten Commandments, you think about Moses, you think about God out up on Mount Sinai. When Bo Moses spent time with God, people couldn't look at Moses because of the glory that shone on his face. They hid themselves from God because God is holy. And they saw themselves, every person who ever encountered God in the Bible, uh, put their head down on the ground and, and, and repented. You know, Isaiah says, you know, woe is me. And, and, and over and again, we see this sort of attitude of humility and and great uh, understanding of God's holiness that separates him from sin. Uh, the only way to broach, you know, for a holy God to accept sinful man, the only way to do so is through the, uh, the payment of sin on the cross, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who bore our sins on the cross. Now, now the, the issue then, when you talk about is God anti-gay, I mean, what you're really getting to this is, um, is homosexual, homosexuality a sin? And, um, 
and, and here, here's the thing, uh, my friend Rosaria Butterfield wrote a great article on this. I'm gonna try to put it in the podcast notes, but uh, she makes a really good point and, and I believe her to be hundred percent correct in this. Uh, it's important to understand that the issue when you're talking about is homosexuality a sin is not an, an issue about homosexuality. It is really an issue more about scriptures. Are you, do you believe that God's word, the Bible is God's inspired word? And are you submitting your life to it? If you don't believe that, then you are not going to abide by what it teaches. You can just hang up this podcast and move on. There are better things to listen to in your life. But if you're a Christian, again, this podcast is geared to Christians trying to live in a post-Christian world and struggling to understand how to communicate with a culture. Well, the only way to really understand, uh, uh, all that has to do with sexual sin in general is to decide, are you submitting to the God of the Bible? And if you are, then whether you struggle with same-sex attraction or you have somebody in your life who does, uh, there are some things that God says about homosexuality. And uh, by the way, there aren't a ton of verses about it, but there are enough. And throughout scripture, all through New Testament, you see a, a general understanding of scripture that uh, does not condone the homosexual lifestyle as a holy lifestyle. Uh, probably the New Testament passage that are most relevant would be Romans chapter one and first Corinthians six, the last, um, yeah, first Corinthians six verses, uh, nine and 10. Maybe we'll go ahead and take a minute and read first Corinthians six. It says, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and here, you know, some of the advocates of, of, of the homosexual uh, movement that say that it's okay to be gay and a Christian uh, would argue about the definition of homosexuality in the Greek and it had to do with a certain type of uh, homosexual behavior. I, I don't believe that's true. I think that um, years of orthodoxy in the Christian world, and many have written about this in great detail and would argue that, no, in fact, it does mean general homosexual same-sex behavior. And again, Romans 1 is probably sort of the more um, detailed version of also more of that, where where, uh, God talks clearly about his wrath against sin. Uh, he says um, in Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Uh, he goes on to say, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. And then therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. Um, Towards the end of Romans 1, it says, Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, uh, most recently in 2020, there's, uh, the, the LGBTQ movement has added plus to the LGBTQ movement, and the plus is allies, people who condone um, uh, homosexual behavior as normal. And, and, uh, and the truth of it is that um, Romans 1 teaches that not only the people who practice homosexuality, but those who uh, condone them are, um, are wrong, are, are sinning against God. Now, uh, I, I would quickly add to that that it's, uh, homosexuality is not the only sin that separates people from God. In fact, uh, it used to be taught, you know, people used to say, well, you choose to, you know, to be gay by the behavior that, that you do. And, and many now say, no, I was, uh, people are born gay. And I think there's a general understanding that people are born with a tendency towards, uh, to, to be gay. And, and I, I don't think that's wrong. That's on, 
true. I think that's true that people are born, uh, let's just say, gay. And so um, the issue isn't, again, homosexuality, but what the Bible teaches on it. And and what the Bible teaches about the human nature is that we're all born sinners. And so for some, it's uh, the tendency uh, to... Um, um, there, there's all I'm not even going to list sins. There's all kinds of sins that people are born with. In fact, we're born in sin. We're born with a sinful DNA. Romans chapter six would be, a, or ch- chapter five would be a great chapter to talk about how we're descendants of Adam, and because Adam sinned, his DNA is in us, and so we're born into sin. The Bible repeatedly says there's no one good, no not one, and that's the point of Jesus. And so, because Jesus came to die, then we're not stuck in a place of sin. In fact, First Corinthians goes on to say after listing. Uh, those um, verses that talks about, you know, uh, the fact that uh, the the, uh, the people who are adulterers and um, um, no, just go to the place again. Sorry about that. The revilers and swindlers who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, it, Paul goes on and gives hope and says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, all this to say, we're saved from our sinful nature and so maybe you were born with same-sex attraction um you don't have to stay there god has given you a way to 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 be saved from uh homosexuality now uh, you could get saved and still struggle struggle with same-sex attraction it's important to understand that the temptation to sin is not the same as sin there are many people who are tempted in many ways um by the way not just with uh, same-sex relationships but a whole lot of list of sexual sins and sensuality and things that are outside of God's order, which is one man married to one woman, and that's the context of sexual intercourse and sexual relationships. But we're constantly tempted to sin in other ways. And by the way, many failing, uh, and many failing in different ways. And and some have greater consequences than others. And it's no wonder that people are in bondage to sexual addictions and sin. And this is, this is a reality, and it's a battle that we need to fight strongly. And so the temptation to sin, the temptation to be same-sex attracted is not the same as being, um, as living in sin and practicing homosexuality. And so uh, maybe that is the cross that you have to die to daily. We'll get to transformation in a minute, but that um, uh, might be your cross that you have to fight this temptation. And 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 as God changes uh, your heart and mind, he doesn't always change your attraction. And so um, that may be something that you have to lay down daily and crucify daily. But it's important to remember that grace is given not just at salvation, but daily, daily, daily. God gives us grace to die to self daily. Uh, uh, Here's one last thing on this idea that God is always anti-sin. It's important to remember that there is a greater sin than sexual sin, and it is the sin of rebellion against the holy God. And um, even Lot, who was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, that had a lot of people practicing homosexuality there, thought that Lot was too. Uh, He was saved, and not only saved, but a New Testament called righteous. And so... Again, I think, um, I think uh, A, God is never anti-people. B, God is always anti-sin in, in any shape or form. There's nothing unique about the sin of homosexuality, except that it's uh, 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 sometimes a harder battle to fight, admittedly. But then again, you ask somebody who struggles with other sins, and, and they'll tell you, man, they struggle equally. And I know as a single woman, um, I struggle daily with crucifying the flesh in a variety of ways. And, and so um, God has given us the grace that we need to fight that battle. Last point. So what I know for sure, God is never anti-people. God is always anti-sin. And number three, what I know for sure is that God is always for our total transformation. That does not mean that when you 
become saved, God changes you from gate to straight. That is not what I'm saying. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is that God uh, gives us the power to change when he gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us. Change how? Change in saying no to sin. Change in being enslaved to righteousness and not to our sinful patterns. Uh, though God loves us as we are, he doesn't keep us as we are. His goal is to transform us into Christ-likeness. All of us are walking in a battle towards holiness in a struggle against sin. We are made alive from the dead. When He, when we come to Christ, the old is past, all things are become new. Uh, and um, and though God's love is transformational, it is not. it is never conditional. God doesn't love us because we change. No, 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 no. We change because God loves us. And again, that does not mean that you used to be gay, now you're straight. That is never listed in scripture. But what it does mean is that you now have the power to overcome any sin in your life. That applies to me as a single woman battling the lust of the flesh daily. That applies to you if your struggle is against same-sex relationship. That is how God uh, has planned the Christian life. It is a dependence on him, a reliance on him, a greater satisfaction in him so that the things of this world, the things that we think we need, in order to survive becomes secondary to our need for him and dependence on him. Um, the good news is that whatever you bring to the table today, uh, God is faithful to forgive you your sin if you confess it to him. First John chapter 1, verse 9 assures us of that. All right, therefore, is God anti-gay? What I know for sure is that God is not anti-gay because God is never anti-people. What I know for sure is that God is always anti-sin. And so you've got to decide who does, who, who, who defines sin? And thirdly, what I know for sure is that God is always for our total transformation. God has given us a new heart and, new, and a new mind in Christ. Some great resources for you to consider. Sam Alberry's book called Is God Anti-Gay? Why don't I give a couple of those resources out? If you email me at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. I love Rosaria Butterfield's book, uh, um, something about the thoughts of an unlikely convert. I can give one of those out too. And I think Jackie Hill Perry has an amazing book on her story of coming out of lesbianism and, um, and embracing the one true God, Jesus Christ. So, hey, um, I love you guys. More importantly, God loves you. No matter what you bring to the table, no matter who you are, no matter how many times you said you did not do something and you've done it again, God loves you so much. Uh, he gave his son for you. I hope you know him. If you've got more questions for me about anything, send them to dearlina at livingwithpower.org. If you're looking for great resources that are free, go to our website, livingwithpower.org. When you land on the landing page, click on join our community at the top of the page. It'll take you to our Facebook community. Join it. I teach live every Thursday nights a Bible study that we are loving. Hope, you see, hope to see you there. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of the day and week, and I'll catch you again next time.